This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. All right, welcome to episode 166 with Emily Wiseband. We've never met before. No, we haven't. Which is weird because we know all the same people. I know. We have we have literal really close friends that yeah. um, we've never met. And I asked Mike, I said, I've never met Emily before. And he said, I think I saw her once. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're a, um, like a unicorn running around town. Yeah. A so, unicorn. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the house, to the show. Look, your face is up me. on a big wall. Oh my God. That's wow. crazy. I, have, I was going through some notes about you because again, I only know, because I know you and Lauren you are or were good friends, Elena. Uh-huh. And she would, she would, when she would come over and Lauren and I've been on the road a lot, she's like, Emily's one of my best friends. And so that's really how I knew you. And then uh-huh. Nicole uh, Gallion. She, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's who it is. Like you should know Emily. Yeah. So I never did. So I was like, Mike, book Emily. And as I was looking at all your songs, here's, I don't know if you were irritated by this, but I was irritated for you. Okay. And I don't know the story behind it. So you should tell me how you feel about this. This Luke Bryan song that you, that you sing in. <laughs> You're not on the track. No, like I didn't write it. No, no you're I not didn't. on it. You no, I didn't. But but you sing on it. Mm-hmm. You're not a background vocal. No. But you're not on like Luke Bryan featuring Emily Wiseman. Let me play. No, I'm not. Listen how prominent you are here. In case you haven't ever heard this. <laughs> Start that clip over a little bit too. Hear your voice in my head. <laughs> I mean, this, this, to, and listen, I love Luke. He's one of my dear friends. We do American uh-huh. Idol together. We spend a lot, and it probably wasn't his call, but back in the day, Flo Rida mm-hmm. had what, Right Round? Yeah. And Kesha was on it, and they didn't credit Kesha at all. And I felt, you got a little kesha in this one. How'd you feel about that? I didn't feel anything about it. I Nothing. was thankful to be a part of it. Ah, what an yeah. answer. No, I really mean it. I'm not like a, I don't know. I just like. But for you to sting that much and not be on it, not even as um, uh, you're, you know, irritated. It's, mm-hmm. it's odd that you would sing that much and not be featured on the track. Well, it wasn't in the plan for me to sing on it. Cause what happened was, um, so Jason Sellers, you know, Jason, 
So like, I want to say it was four or five years ago. I just signed my publishing deal and he was like, Hey, will you come sing a demo for me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I went, I sang the demo and then the engineer on the session at the demo ended up engineering a lot of stuff for Luke Bryan with Jody and Jeff Stevens. And so when Luke put out crap, what was the EP called? It was like farm. Yeah, I think so. And it was the, the you look like rain song. Yeah. So they call it the engineer. Like they were looking for like a female presence on that song. And they called me cause the engineer was like, Oh, this girl did this demo for Jason Sellers and I liked her voice. Is that how I talk? And so, well, that's how I talk when I'm oh, impersonating yeah. other people. So he was like, um, they called me, I went in and just sang some like background vocals on you look like rain. And then when it came time for them to cut hungover in a hotel room, they called me again and said, Hey, I think we're going to get like a pop feature or something on this song, but we would love if you came in and sang in the girl part so that whoever ends up singing it can hear how it goes. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. So I went in and I just laid it down. It wasn't like a big deal. And I was like fully expecting for them to just like somebody else was going to re-sing it. And then they called me one day and said, yo, we're just going to keep you on it. Are you cool with it? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? It's a like, lot. Of course. For, my only point was, and you know my point, and you <laughs> yes. know. You, I know I your would, point. I would have expected. That's a lot, right, Mike? What yeah, you say? It is a lot, yeah. Well, it's like fun. I love little things where like, I you know, agree. nobody knows. Saying, and it's just like cool that I don't care. Well, listen. <laughs> and the real, I mean, listen, you're a, um, I don't even know you as an artist. Like, I don't, do you have music that you've put out yourself? No, no I just signed okay. a record deal like six months ago. Really? Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Cause I know you as a songwriter, but that was, yeah. as, as I was going through stuff, that was what I saw. I was like, I wonder if she's irritated or I wonder if she is. No, if she's not, not gonna, at all. All right. I can say I'm on a song with Luke Bryan and like, it's not, I don't know. I think it's cool. Let us, uh, you wrote Sway with Daniel. Did you write it with Daniel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought this song kind of got screwed over a little bit. Thought yeah. I, got, I thought I got cut a bit early. Yeah. thought it was a jam. Thank you. Things you, happen. You and Danielle are friends? Yeah, really good friends. She's like a little sister to me. Turn it up a little bit, Mike. She's one of the... Whenever people ask me a lot of times, they'll say, hey, who are the best singers? Oh, she's incredible. And she's, she's amazing. It, her... And you can probably add to this too because you're around a lot of the, these artists. And everybody comes... Mostly everybody comes by my room, by my mm-hmm. studio and sings and performs. Shay, if I were to make a... a a top three or four. Oh, and it's tough. He's unreal. But it's Shay from Dan and Shay. Lauren would be up there. Danielle would be up there. And like someone I mean like Stapleton can really sing, but his is so distinct and that makes mm-hmm. him yeah. one up. But I would guess pure vocalists, like who who do you who am I missing? I would put Danielle, Shay, and, and Lauren up there. Yeah. I mean, I think the cool thing about country music is that everybody I love artists when you can listen to them and you're like, whether they to have runs for days or not. It's like, oh, I kn- that's so-and-so. Like, you can tell just but by best me. vocalists. Best vocalists. Best straight, I, I, pure vocal. Carrie, not, honestly, oh, yeah, I say Carrie. I mean, Carrie's like an alien. I sang with Carrie once, and I was like, what? This is not even real. Well, she, yeah, she's so amazing. But I personally am a fan of people who have, like, cool voices. Like, I love Ray Lynn's voice. I think it's, like, a cool voice. But you didn't give me a chance to pick cool voices. I just said best pure vocalist. Yeah, best pure vocalist I think are cool. Uh, that's how <laughs> things going to go. <laughs> no, I mean, go? Shay's incredible. Danielle's incredible. I love writing with Danielle. I loved writing with Lauren so much because if you thought it, she could sing it. You know what I mean? And so you, it was you, like. You wrote Next Boyfriend with Lauren. <laughs> yes. Right. 
Why do you laugh at that? No, it's just like so long ago. It's like I kind of forgot until you said it. Um, It was probably five years ago. It was like when I first signed my publishing deal. Lauren was like the first. I'm so grateful for Lauren. She was like the first artist who really let me into her world. So she really let me in there. And I'll always be super grateful for that because I learned a lot. I'm writing with her about being a writer. So what's it, it like? Cool. Um, and I wrote a kid song with Lauren on my kid's record. Oh, did you? Yeah. And I, cause, and I had to sing and I'm not a good singer. I'm an, I can sing funny. That, mm-hmm. That's about it. But Lauren would sing and she'd write and she would sing. She'd do, I was like, Lauren, I can't do that. You got to write back into where I can sing yeah. because she was so good just even writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lauren's so good. Um, what was my point? Mike, where was I going with this? You remember? I feel like I had something good to say. Always oh, pretty good. <laughs> uh, Camila Cabello, you wrote Consequences. I did, yeah. I mean, you're going to get so paid for this one, right? Um, It's a pop hit. I mean, it'd be really cool, but yeah. I do, I'm amazed I ever even made it to the radio, so I'm just happy to have it up there. Do you know where this is on the pop chart? Like 50-something? Right now, yeah. it, it's on the it, chart now? I think it peaked at like in the early, I don't know, like 12, 13. You're going to get so that. paid for that. Well, Who'd you write that it's with? a bonus. I wrote it with. Uh, it's not a bonus. It's like your work. <laughs> yeah, but like I just love what I do so much. I I'm really not shitting you. Like I really just like. Yeah, and me too. I love what I do. Right. I love yeah. it. But I should get paid too because I'm creating something. Yeah. That people buy. And you do, and it's great. But you're gonna get so paid for that song. I mean, I wrote it with Nicole Gallion and Amy Watch. Who's Amy Watch? You wrote. Uh, how do I know Amy Watch? What else? She Amy write? wrote "Thinking Out Loud" by Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. She's like this dope lady. She's got like covered in tats, like short, cool hair, a couple kids, like super chill. It was really, really cool. Reminds me of like Laura Veltz. Yeah, she definitely has like a British Laura Veltz vibe. How do you get involved in a write like this, kind of out of this Nashville world? Um, I guess you trip and fall into it. I, um, I don't know how we got hooked up with Amy. I write with Nicole a lot. I love writing with Nicole. She's one of my faves. And so, um, my sister probably is pretty good at making me the shittiest writer in the room. And your sister actually works with you, right? She does. Yeah. She, um, manages me and she is, uh, the veep of my publishing company that I'm signed to. So, um, it's just so cool having somebody like that in my corner all the time. Um, but yeah, I got set up to write with Nicole and Amy and I almost didn't go that day, honestly, cause, um, I'm like, tell all queen, I'll tell anybody anything. You can ask me my deepest, darkest secret. And I would probably tell you right now, but, um, I just, some stuff had gone down the day before we wrote that. I just, have you ever like been in a blind rage? No. Well, I, it wasn't a blind rage. It was like a blind shame. I was really ashamed of some stuff that happened that had happened the day before and, so I almost didn't want to go because I knew my big fat mouth, the second I opened it, I would tell them everything. And I was like, this th- one thing I'm not telling anybody. So um, I remember I went in at like noon or one. It was like an afternoon, right? And I had never met Amy and ne- neither had Nicole. And we go in and um, they started talking to each other like, hi, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. So I have this one idea and, da, 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 and they're going through it. And I'm just sitting there. I remember staring at these piano keys. Like there's no way in hell I can stay here. Like I can't write today. This is not going to happen. I'm like praying to God to get me out there. Like the power go out or something. I'm like about to text my sister to tell her like to call me in 30. And like, she's stranded on the side of the road. I got to go get her. And, um, 
I just started praying. I'm like, God, get me out of here. And I can't tell these girls like what's going on with me. And I just heard these three words in my head and like, I'm not a hippity dippity person, but like, I definitely, they definitely weren't me. And I do believe in something bigger than me happening all the time. So I just heard these three words and it was be a writer. And I thought freaking shit. Cause now I have to tell them. Cause that's what being a writer is. You know, it's like sacrificing your pride and your privacy to like say what other people can't. And I'm a total, like my shame isn't my shame. It's like everybody's shame. And I just kind of live that way, like with everything, you know? So, um, I was like, guys, I have to tell you something. And I'm like sobbing my eyes out. Amy probably thought I was a freaking nutso. Nicole's just like, it's okay. And I tell them and I'm like, I have this idea, but like, we don't have to write it. Like, don't write it out of pity. Like, I don't want this to be a pity, right? But I have this idea of consequences. It'd be like loving you with consequences, whatever. And, um, they're like, okay, we wrote the song in like 45 minutes. And then I, we voice memoed it and I didn't think twice about it. And then, um, at the time I was dating another writer in town, Josh Kerr. So I was like, Hey babe, will you, uh, do this demo for me? Just piano vocal real quick. And he said, sure. So I did it. I sent it to Amy and she called us like a week later and said, Hey, I hope you don't, uh, I hope y'all don't mind, but I sent this song to Ed Sheeran. And I was like, no, I'm pissed at you. And, um, she said he loves it, but thinks his friend Camilla would die over it. And like, do you mind if he sends it to her? And is this pre Camilla's record before she kind of so was known as the solo artist? I don't even know if Fifth Harmony had broken up yet. Like, we were. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I knew about Fifth Harmony, but I didn't. I wasn't like super clued in to Camilla necessarily. So, um, or Camila, I probably just butchered that. But, um. Yeah, she ended up like recording it. And actually the piano that you hear on the cut is Josh's piano from the demo. Oh yeah. Yeah, so. Um, so how long from the day that you wrote it until you heard it fully produced with her vocal on it? Uh, it was probably, well, we wrote it fall of 2017. It came out January 2000. No, I'm an idiot. Fall 2016. So January, 2018, so like a year and a half. And it was funny because the first email we ever got about it was like, yo, this is going to be single. And we were like, huh, okay. That's what everybody says about everything. That's song. what yeah. I know. We were like, yeah, sure. And then for it to actually be single, it was really like a cool God moment for me. Cause I was like, there's no reason this should be. It's the one song on the record. That's a ballad. Number one. And number two, it like three writers from Nashville. I mean, she heard it from them and then she made it her own. I mean, she wrote on it and ended up totally making it her own. And it sounds like a Camila song a hundred percent. Cause she put her, her whole Camila thing on it. But, um, I don't know. Every time I hear it, I'm like, there's no way that should have happened. So I'm like, thanks. Turn that up, Mike. I sing this one good in the shower. You sing it in the shower. It's the only place I'm good though. Oh really? One. Yeah. Well, I can do that good part acoustics. Really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So did you ever, when you write a song for somebody, especially in the pop world, you ever meet them? No, not really. And here in town, you kind of see everybody eventually. Yeah. Even if you don't get together and. Yeah. And even if it's not a number one party, uh -huh. that would be some of my friends have only met the artist, like they write a Kenny song. They really uh -huh. only would see Kenny at the number one party. Yeah, totally. When he's doing like seven at once. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's a pretty small town. So you see everybody, but no, you haven't met Camilla yet. 
No, I haven't met her. So, what but the- I heard she's great, and maybe someday. That's the goal. By the way, um, mm. no, I'm, I'm kidding. Emily has a Chick Fil A <laughs> cup. She hit me on Instagram. I she do. was like, "Do you want Chick Fil A?" And I was like, "No, I'm good." She I told like, him I don't like showing up places. She's like, I want to show up empty-handed. That's all right. Trisha Yearwood brought uh, Tennessee whiskey over there, and so we oh. just, we just let it sit, so you can leave your cup. Cool. I'll just leave it here to decay. <laughs> it's biodegradable. How are you sure. feeling about the um, you know the big? And I I mentioned getting paid because I think songwriters. I'm a big songwriter advocate for yeah, for get making money. Thank like, you. Like create and get paid for it mm-hmm. because other people are getting paid for it. Like you write it, you don't sing on it. Other people are getting made. They're on tour. They're getting to sing it on tour and making a bunch of money with tickets yeah. and merch. You can write a song like Consequences and she can make merch off of it. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a bad thing toward the artist, but they can take a song and make a hundred thousand bucks off merch mm-hmm. off a lyric that you wrote and you don't get anything. Which yeah. is why I'm such a big advocate of songwriters getting paid. Mm-hmm. And so right now you're having the issue with Spotify and these streaming services that are not wanting to compensate songwriters to what songwriters feel is comfortable for them. Are you in that in, in those weeds at all? Um, yeah. I mean, I try not to like talk a ton about things that I don't know everything about. I'm the opposite. I talk a lot about everything I know nothing about. So this is good. Really? Yeah, Sick. I just talk. Yeah, cool. Yeah. We'll balance each other out then. Um, yeah, but I, of course, I'm a huge advocate for songwriters. I love songwriters. Um, I spend my every day with songwriters and incredible ones who like have these families at home and they get up and they go down and, and they write music and music is everywhere. I mean, it's never going away. So I am like, yeah, I'm all for songwriters being compensated fairly, 100%. I'm not somebody who like, I want to do what I can. So I definitely am starting to get more into the world of like getting involved in the side of that where something can be done about it and educating myself about it and the whole thing. Um, For me personally, I don't sit it just in it on in like not even in a political way anymore I'm, t- I'm talking about when i'm at home in my pajamas on the couch like am i stressing about it no i'm not but that's not because i don't care about it because i 100 percent like do i think i'm not looking at my bank account stressing out because i just have this like weird and this is a personal thing it has nothing to do with the issue um i just have this weird confidence that I'm going to be fine. And you live with your three sisters. I do. So you're all splitting rent or mortgage. Yeah. I mean, for now, you know what I mean? It's the kind of thing where, um, I just, I'm super tight with my family. We're all like single and flirty and fresh and we can, and it's fun. You're all single. I'm one of six kids. Five of us are girls. One's married with a couple. My brother lives up in Virginia and then the other four we live here yeah one of them has a serious boyfriend but the others were kind of just you know riding the wave what's up with your brother how where was he born in the the oh he's the baby wow he's the baby were they just having babies until they had a boy i mean i don't know if they were really thinking about anything but just doing it to be honest five (laughs) girls in a row like you gotta be just i mean it is crazy i will say right well, yeah, I will say my older sister, she's my half sister and is from my dad's hobag teenage days. So he was 19 and she was born. She's amazing. We're best friends. Um, the other five of us that my parent, like we have the, all of the same mom. Um, my parents had five kids in five years. 
like to the day. So my brother and I share a birthday. Well, I'm the oldest of the five. Went to town, huh? Oh yeah. My Constantly. parents love doing it. They're <laughs> super in love. They're always making out. He's a bail bondsman. And so like, he kind of has all the time in the world. Like when he's not, my claim to fame is that I got invited to Beth Chapman's birthday party when I was in high school, but dog, the bounty hunter's wife yeah. with the big boobies. So like, yeah, that was my total claim to fame. So I grew up just around like jails and stuff like that. And my dad kind of could work whenever he wanted. And so, so what are the bell bottoms day like? Um, well, these days it's a little different. They're trying to, uh, end bail. I'm, they're trying to replace it with pretrial, but growing up, I mean, my dad, he was just home whenever he wanted. The phone would ring constantly and it'd be like, hi, I'd love to get my husband out of jail. He was down at the Walmart last night and, uh, blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing. And so, um, yeah, it was cool. And my, it was funny. Cause like my dad would, he'd go to the jail, he'd put up the money and then he'd come home or like usually he'd get up in the middle of the night and do it. Cause a lot of people will get like DUIs like at 11 PM. So he'd be up at like three in the morning, but always made sure he was home to take us to school. Cause he wanted us to learn the cuss words from him, not on the bus. Always made sure to, you know, be home for dinner and be at all of our school choir shows or whatever the hell he had to be at. And so it was great, but we'd come home and there'd be like random people like painting the house or something. And I'd be like, mom, who's that? She's like, oh, somebody couldn't pay their bail. So your dad just let him paint the house. So like half of our house is stone. Like it's not finished. Like half of it's stone because he let somebody like come and do it. What happens if someone runs and they don't pay the bill? Oh, that was like a big deal. We'd come home and there'd be like a pink slip on our back door. And we all knew that dad was going to be pissed when he got home because the pink slip meant somebody skipped court or whatever. So my dad gets very passive aggressive about it. He takes to Facebook and he'll post like their mug shots and be like, this person's a pab, get them back here. Like, pab. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, I'll have to tell you what that is off the microphone. Cause right. it's like three bad words in a row. But, um, let's see if we can figure out what it is. Yeah, Mike. You want to, I'll tell you. Yeah, you can say it. Pussy ass bitch. Uh, is that a common term? I've never heard pab. No, honestly, like he, he never used up? that term. My uh, sister's boyfriend taught it to me. No, no. Where did you grow up? Oh, Virginia. Okay. Got it. I was wondering if that so, was like yeah. a Virginia thing, but I'm a Virginia nep. No, no, and no, no. You no. think I'd be called that all the time because I kind of am. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is an urban dictionary. It is? Yeah. It totally is. I actually didn't learn that one from my dad. It's, it's basically what he would say. Right. His was a lot more eloquent. He's like, I learned that from my sister's boyfriend, but, um, yeah. And he would just have to go find him. We lived kind of near Quantico. So like sometimes he'd hire a couple Marines down at the base to like go find somebody. To track or, them down. Yeah. One time. Oh my God, this is so good. I found somebody one time. Like my dad would be like, Hey, like this is the guy. Like, and I remember one time we found like I was somewhere and I saw their license plate and it was like totally the dude. And so I told my dad and we like followed him and it was a whole thing. Wait, so you knew the license plate. So you were on the lookout. Well, not the license plate, but I'd, I'd know what the person looks like. Yeah. So I'd be around town. I'd be like, I think I saw him. And there was one in particular time where like, I feel like we followed them down to like, and it was like, dad, we got him. Did you get the reward? It's like, no, I mean, the reward was my dad not having to fork it up. And that's what happens, right? If they go away, 
Yeah. And they're like, never seen again. Your dad then has to pay the full bail. Yeah, basically. Did he ever have to do that? Um, a couple times. Yeah. Those PABs. <laughs> those PAB. Those PABs. Would you say PAB or PAB? Which one would you say? Um, I would probably say a PAB. Okay. Those, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. I feel bad for seeing three bad words in a row. I do love Jesus, but I also will totally say them. So whatever. But also, here's my thing on words, right? Okay. Yeah. Words are just sounds, and if you take, I a, agree. Who made them bad? Right. And not only who made them bad, but. Your location dictates what is bad because if you it's get on true. an airplane and let's say you fly east, you fly over over the Atlantic and you land in Italy, right? Uh-huh. Our bad words aren't the same as their bad oh, words. Absolutely not. Like this means F off in London. Which, which you're doing two. two fingers for those that can't see because literally nobody oh, yeah, can see except you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to radio life yet, Bobby. You're doing the peace sign basically. Yeah, basically. But when you do it with the fingers like facing you, like the nails facing the other person, because somebody said I was in London with my family for Christmas. It's like our new tradition to go somewhere instead of like buying each other a bunch of stuff that will break or lose by February. So um, somebody asked me if I wanted something, I forget what it was. And I said, yeah, I'll take two. And he said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So I learned the hard way. And which is my point, even hand signs where if you flip the middle finger here mm-hmm. and you go to, a, let's say you go West to Japan. Yeah. Well, a lot of our English, a lot of our uh, Western culture has been adopted by them, but still mm-hmm. that is, it's not bad there. They yeah. have different. Ba- no, it's my, not. So my whole thing with curse words is who cares? They're just sounds. It's true. We've assigned. Just sounds. It's our fault. They're bad. We've I know. I know. I know. Ba- so, uh, just my away. grandma can't listen to this now. So yeah, you you're still close to your grandma. I love my grandma. I texted her yesterday. She sent me the cutest text. And your grandma listens to all the things that you do. Does she follow Everything. you on Instagram? Does she ever she go? She follows me on Instagram. Does she go, she Emily. Me on Facebook. Does she go? You're wearing two less clothes. I'm not even kidding you. Yes. I'm not kidding you. I've had full on Facebook war. Like my family has had full on Facebook wars about my outfit sometimes. Because? Because she says that I'll never get a grandma. I love you so much. And like, yes, you're right. But like, you know what? I feel right. She'll say like, I'll never get a Christian husband if I like am wearing that, which she's, you know, she's my grandma. I love my grandma. Is she right? I mean, like, <laughs> Um, I mean, no, I don't think so. I think I'm going to end up with whoever I'm supposed to end up with. Do you believe that everything is set out and you must, you'll fall, regardless, you're going to fall into the path? Um, I believe that God has a plan for my life and I'm excited to see what it is. I have trouble. But I'm not like, a, I'm not like a soulmates person necessarily. Yeah, I'm no, not I, like, I think I, there's a lot have, of people who can make you happy. I agree. And I have trouble with thinking that already what's going to happen to me is already decided. Cause then why am I mm-hmm. working so hard? I just yeah, still go no, lay I on the couch that. and watch the Mad- Madeline McCann story. I feel that. Yeah. Like I believe that we create our own path and hopefully we do the best with them. Yeah. But I just am not someone that believes it's all figured out already. Yeah. I think that's like kind of the beauty of God is like, we get to choose like what we want to do, who we want to hang out with. Like I'm a big believer. I don't like doing things when I feel like I have to do them. I, I just can't put my whole heart into something if I feel like I have to do it. Like I, I want to be in a situation where I want to. And when I do want to, I'm all in and I'm like a hundred percent, let's go. Um, but I think that, so that's why the people that I, I do love, I love them cause I want to love them. And I think that's like a cool way to love, you know, I'm not, you know, the, the things I devote my time to, I devote my time to because I want to, not because I feel like I have to. And so I think 
God's that way too, even. Like he doesn't want us to do things because we feel like we have to. I think that takes the beauty out of loving God. I think that takes the beauty out of um, just being on a journey that's full of like joy and peace. And like, I don't know. I think making decisions is like such a cool part of being a human being. So you don't believe in soulmates? Um, No. Because what if you're in India? Yeah, I don't believe in soulmates. I think that there's like probably several people in the world that I could have an incredible life with. Do I think like my emotions and my, do I think like everything's kind of gonna, gonna kind of collide when it's supposed to. And I'm going to know. Yeah. I do think I'll know when it's like the person I want to be with, but like, I don't necessarily think that there's like one person out there for me and I got to go find them. I'm kind of like doing my thing. It's like your dad searching for. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let me do Wow. Let me Full do, circle. Let me do this commercial break real quick. If you're waking up in the morning and you go, I need more energy, or I just wish I was in a better mood, or I want to be more productive, it could just be all about sleep, right? And so for me, I've been traveling so much, and when I'm not in my room, and I'm not on my sleep number bed, I don't like it, I'll be honest with you. I love my sleep number bed, and it's tough when I don't have it, because the sleep number bed is meant for me. My sleep number setting is 30. The new sleep number bed, they're so smart. You know, they sense every move. They automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. And also, let me say that so many couples disagree on mattress firmness. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed lets you choose your ideal firmness on each side so it's right for both of you. Right now, go and save 500 bucks on select Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash bones. Find the one nearest you. I love my sleep number. I love that I have my own sleep number. It's, it really is great. It's a situation no one wants to experience during tax season, right? But with the breaches in the last couple of years, your information may already be exposed. And that could lead to an unfortunate discovery, finding out that a cyber criminal stole your identity and filed for your tax return. The good thing is there's LifeLock with Norton to help you protect against things that could happen to your identity and your devices. If you become a victim of identity theft, well, tax-related or not, LifeLock will work to fix it with a dedicated identity restoration specialist who's assigned to your case from beginning to end. Plus, with the addition of Norton Security, you'll also have protection that blocks cyber criminals from stealing from your devices. Listen, of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can join right now and get 10% off your first year. I have it. I love it. It's helped me out before. Many times, actually. Just head to lifelog.com or call 1-800-LIFELOG. Enter the promo code BONES. That's BONES for 10% off your first year. All right, so um, let's go over to the song. Let's do uh, Thy Will, which you wrote with Hillary. You wrote four. Did you write Hillary on this one or no? Yeah, yeah? I wrote it with her. All right. I remember when... Uh, Hillary was the, you know, Lady Annabelle, I'm taking a break mm-hmm. and she came in and, and she was on my show. We we're talking about this record, which by the way, won a Grammy, right? Yeah. Do you have a Grammy? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Huh? Where is it? It's in my living room. Or prominently <laughs> featured. Yeah. We take uh, shots out of it sometimes. Really? Yeah. It's a Christian Grammy too. That's why it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma took a shot out of it one time. My cool grandma. You know what? And good for her. I know. My grandma who like doesn't always love my outfits, but I love that we can have an open, honest relationship about it. And good for you keeping it in the living room. Yeah, I do. Why not? I keep my mirror ball down. I know. I saw it when I walked in. I'm going to attach it. You have a very trendy house, by the way. Uh, Trendy? Yeah, it's trendy. Like it's designed very trendy. 
I change it every three months. You do? Knock it down and build another one. No, wait, are you serious? No. Do you think oh. I would knock down a house every three months? Well, no, I mean, but I do like switch out stuff like every three months. I like, I, like go somewhere. Yeah. Not like knock down a house. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, well, so did you go to the Grammys when you won this? I did. Yeah. My speech was awful. Wait, so you got up and spoke. Was it, it wasn't on television, right? Um, it was on, it was like the pre-telecast. Okay. So, so everybody's still there and you get up on the stage yeah. and what do you hear? And when the Grammy for, uh, thy will Christian song is, uh, Oh my God, dude, I literally have it. The speech. Yeah. Oh. I'll show you real fast. It's very accessible. Read it. No, this is it. <laughs> oh, you have it. Okay. This is the audio. That's all did you I say I have to pee so bad? Yeah, I did, and I had a cold, and I was super awkward, oh, and I like a cold, and I have to pee so yeah, bad. Yeah, and I was holding my phone on the stage. I don't. I looked down, and I was like, I, what am I doing? And so I just kind of like, I think I thanked Jesus after that, and then said, "Bernie, take it." So you had nothing prepared? No, I had not no, even I, an outline no. because I also don't prepare for those award type things where I say something because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to, I don't even believe in the jinx, but I don't want to uh -huh. jinx myself just in case it's real. Yeah. So I don't, but I have a skeleton. Uh -huh. You have a skeleton of what you're going to say. No, because I find that when I plan what I'm going to say about things before I say them, I come off very fake, like I'm rehearsed and I just never want to be. I don't know. I, I would just rather like go and wing it and be myself in the moment. And you were absolutely yourself. You I was. Cold, <laughs> and you had to pee and Bernie, take it away. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Bernie, take it away. Thank you, I think is what it was. <laughs> what about when you came over here? Anything rehearsed? Anything you want? You're like, no. oh, if I get into this, this is going to be good. No. All right. Just making this sure. is all like off the cuff. Uh, Dan and Shay, make or break. Let's hear this. Mm -hmm. one. What record was this? This last one. Now, are you... Like holding on that it could be the next single? Eh, things are going to happen as oh. they come. I try not to get married to like ideas or things like that. Wouldn't it be cool? They're killing yeah, it Yeah, right it'd be now. cool. They are killing it. They've played it. They play it live. I've been to their show and, and it goes over great and they sound amazing. And I'm super, super proud of them. I mean, they just work their butts off. Yeah. So I'm just... Everything they have coming to them, they deserve it. And I'm really, really, really stoked. Do you hop on the road and write with people? Like travel, um, right? I have. Yeah, yeah, I haven't as much lately. Um, I've been shifting my focus a tad. Um, not completely, but up to this point. But I have, and I really love it. I really love it. That's where they'll get a bus. Who have, mm -hmm. you, who have you been on the road to write with? God, I think my first time ever on the road was Jana Kramer. I'm pretty sure that was my first time. But I would go with Danielle out with Thomas Rhett a bunch. Um, and the crazy somebody else, I don't remember. Uh, Garth. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, the crazy thing about a road, I like hopping on the road and riding with people is that, let's let's use uh, TR for example. Uh -huh. You go with, with Thomas Rhett and you're riding and you're right all day. And then even though he's been riding, he still has to go on stage and do a full show. Yeah. And he's written one, maybe two songs because you don't bring writers out not to write. Yeah. So you'll ride and you have the rig set up in the bus and you're mm -hmm. riding and, you know, he's probably not singing fully, but he's singing enough yeah. inside the ride. And then he has totally. to go and do a full show. Yeah, he goes, does a full show and then they'll get off the bus and usually do like the vocal for the song we wrote that day or something like that. Ever have any bus rides that kind of turn into cuts? Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I have. Um, so there's a song in the Daniel Bradbury record. 
I went on those. It was the Suits and Boots tour when it was TR, Brett Eldridge, and Danielle. And um, there's a song that TR wrote with me and Danielle on that trip that ended up on her record. It was called What Are We Doing? And then um, I went out with TR another time, and we wrote a song. It's a duet, and he cut it and with his duet partner and it just it hasn't come out yet so we'll see if it ever does you say you've you've shifted your focus to what singing like cutting a record yeah yeah (laughs) i never thought i'd do it i never wanted to do i refused to do it and now i'm doing it so i'm like but i thought you didn't want to you don't do things that you don't want to do yeah so that's why um so i just signed a deal with warner brothers and out of la so it's a pop record. It's not a country record. And I, what basically happened was back in 2015, this guy, Mike Elizondo, do you know him? I don't know him. I know who he is. So Mike called me, just cold called me out of the blue. And it was November of 2015. And I, when I signed my publishing deal, I had taken it out of like all that language is like, if she ever becomes an artist, it'll be divided like blah, blah, blah. Um, I, it took a little longer to get my deal done cause we took all of that language out. So we actually had to redo my publishing deal when I started talking to Warner brothers about signing a record deal. And, um, because I just, I wanted to be a badass writer. I just did like I writing with other artists. I got to kind of see their life and, um, you just have to like really love what you do to do it. And cause you hear no a lot. And I just, I like to be purposeful in what I, I like to feel like I have purpose in whatever I'm doing. So I just didn't feel purpose singing songs. There's so much noise out there. And like, especially a pop record. I just, I just didn't want to add to the noise. Like if I was going to make a record, I wanted to have a point of view and something to say. And I just didn't feel like I had that. I felt like my purpose was helping other people figure out what that was for them. So, um, I just committed to it and I was like, all right, let's go. I'm going to be the best songwriter ever. Let's do it. And, um, 2015, Mike called me and said, Hey, my name's Mike. I'm not a creeper. Is this Emily? I'm like, yeah. And he said, That's often how I start my calls. Too. Yeah, totally. It's a good, it's a good first line. And, um, I, I said, uh, Hey, what's up? He goes, I heard your voice on a demo and I want to make a record with you. Like, are you down? Like I'll, I'm an A&R at Warner. I'll fly you out. We'll like start just write and see if there's anything in there. And I was like, ah, it's really nice, but like, I'm not sure that's my vibe. I appreciate it though. And, um, I don't know everybody in my life who before had been like, yeah, artist life, not for you. Like making a record, not for you. Let's focus on writing. Um, they kind of just started changing their mind a little bit. It was all, it was weird. Like it felt very divine, like how everything kind of lined up all the voices I had trusted for so long started saying, Hey, like maybe you should go and just see if there's anything in there. And honestly, it took a year. I went, I two weeks later, basically I was standing on Mike's store going, hi, no idea who I'm about to meet or what I'm about to walk into. Um, was he a creeper? We're all wanting to know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he turned out to be the nicest dude ever. He's, we're basically family now three years later. And, um, it took me like a year it was just like at night on weekends, I'd go to LA like for a week or two every six weeks and just try to write songs for me. And it just, I would leave thinking, man, any girl could sing that. 
and it'd be like cute it'd be cool but i i hadn't written anything and then i had this really slutty night one night and um just super not me i was just in like this time of life where i was being a hoe bag and so i remember waking up one morning and i had like this was like a year after mike had called me and i i woke up and i had like four texts on my phone from numbers i didn't recognize being like yo where'd you go i thought we were gonna and then um my sister was pissed at me she's in the other room because i'm sure she had to pull me out of some stupid uber the night before like her fun night turned into babysitting me. And so she's mad. This is like the third, fourth weekend in a row I've done this. And I just woke up feeling disgusting. Like, so not myself. Like, ugh. And I'd kind of given up on writing anything for me because it'd been, I'd tried and it hadn't really happened. So kind of put it out of my head and I crawled in my sister's bed the next morning. I had my tail between my legs and she said, I love you, but you got to figure this out. She's like, you're ruining our relationship. You need to figure it out. And I said, okay. And I, I went home and I called, um, Hannah Ellis. Do you know Hannah? I know her. I've, I've like played her music. Yeah. I called her. She was like my first co-write when I moved to Nashville ever. And so I don't know. I called her for some reason and I, I said, Hey, like I just need to vocalize something. Could you meet me? It was a Saturday. Mama don't work on Saturdays. Mama works Monday through Friday. So I was, she was, I was like, can you meet me? And she said, sure. And she met me at like 7 PM on a Saturday night. And we wrote this song. And, uh, the next day we took it to Josh Kerr and he finished it with us. And I didn't even turn it in. Honestly, I stuck it in my email. Cause I, my first thought was, ah, Lady Antebellum will never cut this. Like, Nobody in country music is going to cut one it. One slutty night. Yeah, totally. This Emily Wiseman's first hit. No, um, it was called Things I'm Over, and um, I just stuck in my email and I like left it there because I figured nobody else would do it. And my sister called me a few days later and said, "What the hell is this song in your email?" She was like, your "I was sister like, oh, my sister, right? yeah, and she knows I don't like. I'm not great at texting or calling or emailing, so she has access to all my stuff and." She said, what is this song? And I said, um, oh, I just needed to like say it, but I, nobody will ever cut it. So I just, I didn't even turn it in. And she said, yeah, nobody's going to cut it because it's yours. And it was the first moment where I went, oh, that makes sense. She said, Adam, you got to try again. So I did. And I, I just tried to remember where that place was in me and going back there. And before I knew it, another year went by and I just was sitting on a stack of songs that felt like my songs and my point of view and something that I had to say. And, um, I ended up signing with Warner brothers like six months ago. So what does that mean for timeline of you putting music out? So, um, I actually fly to LA tomorrow morning to like meet, have my first meetings with branding and promo and stuff like that. I honestly was in a really incredible position where I didn't have a label looking over my shoulder the whole time I was making my first record. Cause, um, I I've seen that happen to so many people where they sign deals. And then to me, I have, this is honestly the first public place I've admitted having a record deal. Like I've never posted about it or like really told people about it. Cause I think some people see record deals like the end and I kind of see it as the means to the end. Why do people um, see it as the end? Well, I don't know. I think it's like a, a goal for, and I think it's an incredible goal for a lot of people like we got a record deal. Yay, we made it. And I think that sometimes the record deal is the beginning of the work um, rather than the X on the map. So um, 
I don't know, for me, it was kind of like, cool. We, I signed my deal. It was just me and Mike alone, like in his studio. I had my dad on FaceTime. Like my sister wasn't even there for it. It was the most low key moment of my life. And, um, we started cutting music that day, like cool paperwork's done. Let's do it. You know what I mean? And that's when we started cutting songs. So, um, for me, I, I just got, I really got a couple years to, and it's that curse of like my second record. I'm not going to have three years to write it. You know what I mean? So it's like that classic thing of, you're already worried um, about the second record and the first one's not out yet. Yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I just know I had, I, I'm really, my point is that I, I'm very blessed to have had a lot of time to really figure out who I am and, um, what my music sounds like and what it says. And I'm super proud of it. I love it. I would buy it if it wasn't mine. I listen to it sometimes and not as my music. I listen to it cause like I need to hear it. And that's how I know a song's mine is when I hear it and I go, thanks, Em, I needed that. <laughs> like, that's when I know, like, that's it. Because, you know, I've, I'll write these honest songs and turn them in and I'll be like, I think this is for my record. And my sister will go, no, it's not for your record. And I'm like, why? But it's so honest and raw. And she's like, yeah, but it's selfishly honest. She's like, it doesn't do anything for me. I'm just watching you in your own world, like being honest with yourself. Cool. She's like, how does that, like, how do I connect with that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So it's kind of funny. My A&R team is basically my three sisters and... <laughs> They tell me when something sucks and it's kind of funny. Did you always want to do this? Like write music? Yeah. Forever? Yeah. Like as a career? Um, I didn't really know that you could. I mean, I'm super tight with my, my family. We're disgustingly close. It's disgusting. And um, my dad, you know, those people you have a personality bond with. Do you have anybody like that? Or you're Mike? just like the same person? Probably Mike because we don't you like, Mike? We just sit quietly. <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> Stare forward. Um, but yeah, I, my sister and my dad have a personality bond. Like they're the same person. They could look at each other and know what they're thinking. And I never had that with my dad. Um, so I was like, well, my dad loves music. So I'm going to write a song. And I did. And he like cried and it was this big thing. And it was like, it was literally like shooting heroin or something. I was like, dad love my song. I got to do it again. And so, um, yeah, I'd come home every day after school. I was like 11 when I started and I would just write for like an hour or two. It was like before I did my homework and I would show him and he'd be like, oh, honey, that's so good. Or, oh, honey, that could be better. I don't really like how blah, blah, blah. And you got to think about da, da, da. And he never gave me an A when I deserved a C. It was like that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, just growing up, I, it was just my hobby and my thing that I bonded with my dad about. And then when it was time to go to college, everybody was like, you got to go to medical school. My dad would say, you can be a doctor who writes songs, but you can't be a songwriter who's a doctor. And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, dad, sure. I'm totally a daddy pleaser. Like I love my dad and being the oldest, it's like everybody's watching you and you want to like do well and succeed and not fail because you're setting the tone. It's like the first child Do you child feel complex. that pressure? Um, I think growing up I did without even realizing it, but we also are all so close in age that I definitely was the pioneer woman in the sense of like, my first boyfriend was my whole family's first boyfriend. You know, my first breakup was my whole family's first breakup. Do you do the thing where you break up and you write about it, but so um, specific that it can be tracked back? <laughs> um, I have been guilty of doing that before probably, but I also have gotten to a point where I think I don't do it as much now. I still do it. I mean, it's who I am, but do people hear those ones? Probably not. I'm worried about that a little bit. Are on, you? On Lindsay's next record. 
Because <laughs> she was like, do you want to hear this song? I was like, nope, put it out. Don't let <laughs> me hear it. I don't think it's fair because as someone who loves art more than myself yeah, even. Totally. I would say, I don't want you to kiss you say, do you want to hear it? I uh-huh. was like, I don't. Because if I hear it, I'll go, nope, don't put that out. <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I think it's just the consequence of dating a writer. I've dated writers where there are songs that are specifically about me and I'm like, but there's been consequences to dating me, to be fair, because I talk uh-huh. about things to millions of people that she probably yeah. was like, or all my, any girlfriend or sure. anybody that I dated. Uh-huh. But I'd like to pat myself on the back here one more time that I said, do not <laughs> send me the song. Hey, it's out there I, in the world. Everybody take notice. Because I will veto this. Uh-huh. And so her next record, I know she's just, but we had a, we had a really good relationship. There's no cheating. Yeah. There's nothing. We broke up. Because, totally. But. I know there's gonna be some stuff about me. I know one. Of, what was the title? One of the titles? Get over yourself, <laughs> <laughs> or something. So I'm just sitting here going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and her and I are still cool. We're still close yeah. even at times. But I'm just like, God. But what about Nashville's you? Nashville's weird. You dated a songwriter. I know, and I know Josh, mm-hmm. your ex-boyfriend. Has he written about you in songs that other artists have sang? <laughs> um, I don't know if the world's heard any of them. I've heard. I've heard things. Yeah. And it makes you feel blank. Um, it makes me feel, huh? I think I've, I'm never like, I don't always feel one thing about everything. I feel like probably four different things about it. One, I'm pumped for him that he got cuts. <laughs> like, honestly, I know that's like really cool, especially when something's super personal to you. And then another artist relates to it enough to want to cut it. I think that's really cool. So pumped for them, but also like, Ooh, that's awkward weird and it, you know, it's their perspective it's not even my perspective yeah like it's like your it's side fair. of the story isn't necessarily there but then i have to go well okay i'm like how many times have you done that to somebody so i can't really complain about it and at the end of the day it's like eh, whatever yeah at the end of the, the day, people who need anyway. to know know nobody cares and like eh. Nobody cares. Yeah, no, some, honestly, nobody cares. No, Nobody's really, gonna be thinking about it. In no, 10 like years. the general population, the consensus doesn't care about anything anymore. It's such a niche-driven society that we're we're in now. Yeah, and definitely. so at time, even with people that get in trouble for uh, like controversial things, uh huh, it just goes by. Oh, so and yeah. it's it's quick. And it is unless you're Michael Jackson. You know, or oh something. God, did you or, watch yeah, that? Did you watch that? I watched it literally yesterday. This I, is fresh for me. It was dark. It was so hard to watch because it was so graphic. So graphic. And it was. E- I was shocked at how graphic it was. Me but like too. I appreciated it, but I was definitely shocked. To me, it was easier to watch the Ted Bundy tapes where the dude chops up adults. Oh. Than it was to so much easier. hear about Michael Jackson molesting young boys. Yeah. It was. It's like, it just is one of those things that makes you go, man, evil's real. It, it was. Just is. I, you know, I wish. Here's the thing that was. Because I believe the guys, but I wish he were alive to defend himself. Yeah. And also he went to court twice and was acquitted twice. Right. There's just a lot of things that since he's dead, you just wish he could say something back. Mm-hmm. Because again, talking about one side and I believe them. Yeah. But I just wish for, for the fairness part of it that he was able to come and go, I didn't touch whatever, however, whatever he's uh-huh. going to say. But yes, it was hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. But in every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. 
The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. Treatment is covered, travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things. And financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. I will, to your point, I will say my sister and I, like whenever we get on something, we get on it. Like when we watched Bohemian Rhapsody, I mean, there was nothing but Freddie Mercury streaming, like interviews streaming through my house for like two weeks. So we watched a bunch of interviews after. And I think the director of the movie said that this particular like film was about these two guys stories. So like, I, cause I know a lot of people have been saying like what you were just saying about like always oh, not here to defend himself and blah, blah, blah. And it's definitely like a one-sided situation. But when you do look at like, it is what it is. It's a movie about these two guys. And like, so I don't, I don't know. I, which two guys, Freddie and Brian may. No. Um, I'm talking about leaving. Oh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Got it. Got like got it. Wade and these two guys, the two the, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right, the two it. boys. I just always have to mention Freddie Mercury somewhere Did in you every like, conversation. Uh, I Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I loved it. It's the only movie ever made, in my opinion. Thought it was pretty good. It's so good. I'm such a. I, I'm one of the guys uh, that for, hold. Wait, hold on. Let me <laughs> state my opinion here. Okay, I'm you, sorry. I get really you, pumped about it. I thought it was good. I'm a huge Queen fan. That I think there are only a couple of artists that, if created today, would still come out and kind of pierce our consciousness of, oh, this is cool. Like if Queen existed today for the first time, we would go, oh, their sound is so different. Yeah. We like them today. Not because mm-hmm. they were Queen, not because they have a history. We just go, right. oh, they're distinct and they're different. Like uh-huh. today, that would, the, other, the only yeah. other one is uh, Biggie because I think his- Oh, did you watch that? I did. And I really Unsaw- like that. The, not Wait, which one? There's like nine. I, I watched- The one about him and Tupac on Netflix. Is it new? 
Yeah, I think it's like kind of new. Unsolved. I see that up in the feed. No, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The thing about Bohemian Rhapsody that I didn't like was it's a movie, mm-hmm. and in a Hollywood movie, they've got to just gloss and jump, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, Freddie, you signing a record deal. No, no, even, let's go before that. There's a band <laughs> playing on stage, and it's like, uh-huh. hey, guys, I'd like to, to, to sing for your band. Next thing you know, they're on the BBC playing, like three minutes later. Yeah, it's true. And it's just now, Fair. and I understood why, but as someone who just is such a music geek, mm-hmm. I wanted there to be a little more of that struggle. Um, but I, I did enjoy the movie. Yeah. But then it goes, I were playing our first BBC show. Yeah. It's like, you just signed a deal 18 seconds ago. <laughs> and before that, you just met. Mike, did you have these problems with being Rhapsody? Yeah. I think some of it wasn't even like 100% true. But it, I don't, I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. That's the stuff that kind of got me from it. Yeah. I, I'm I, okay with that because it's a movie and I go into mm-hmm. it. If it were a documentary, I would be. Upset. Mm-hmm. And a documentary, if it's not 100% true, I'm like, this is bull crap. I just Wikipedia'd it, and I believe everything Wikipedia says, mm-hmm. so you're wrong. Yeah, it was very quick in the beginning, and then kind of slowed down, and then... It was like, I'm Freddy. I have big teeth. It's now time to play Lilith Fair, or whatever. It's very fair commentary yes. on the movie. That being said, I did like the movie, and I thought it was mm-hmm. cool that a bunch of people like yourself were exposed to Queen. Oh, I know. I know. Were you not a Queen I fan really before? Um, I was a Queen fan in the sense of like, I knew some of their songs and I, I really liked them. I knew the words and whatever, but I think that especially at the place I'm in of like having just signed a record deal and well, then you immediately should be hosting a big festival in like seven minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Why aren't I on BBC yet? But, um, no, I think it was more of like the, just be yourself and like, who cares if people like it or don't like it? I think it was like that whole concept or theme, I guess, through the movie that just really inspired me to just, you know, when somebody doesn't like something, okay. Here's my shortcut to people because I tell them we spent all of our young days trying to fit in, mm-hmm. younger days, 20s, 30s. Yeah, we do. We spent all of our time going, I just want to fit in. I just I want to be cool and fit in. And then once we figure out oh, this is the thing we spend the rest of our life trying to be different. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of get a head start on that by going, you know what? I just want to be different. And it's, and it's cool to be different. I'm just going to be me, mm-hmm. even if it's different. Because we spend all of our youth going, I, I want to fit in, I want to fit in, I want to fit in. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where you do make that pivot, where you go, oh, I want to be different. Mm-hmm. So as long as you know that's coming, you can kind of prepare yourself for it. And yeah. me, I've always just been weird. I've yeah. tried to fit in. <laughs> I'm still trying right now. No, not really much <laughs> love. What's your biggest insecurity? Uh, I have, uh, the chest of an 11 year old boy. Are you serious? Yeah. That's really what it is. It's one of them. Sure. Um, physically. Sure. Okay. Um, wow. I like this. Let's play it physically and then emotionally or like mentally. Uh, I think emotionally, you know, I grew up, I grew up, I had a pretty hard, you know, grow. I, I was mm-hmm. tough. I had a tough background. So I, and I was never really loved as a kid. My mom was an addict. My dad, I never knew my dad. Uh-huh. My mom died. So now it's like, am I ever, like, I'm really insecure about, like, do people really like me? Mm-hmm. Especially now as I become, get bigger, yeah. and you go from radio to, like, a national radio show to television. You're like, do people even like me, or are they just like what I do want to hang around me? Yeah. So I'm really insecure about that. New people. That's, like, super fair, though. Real, I don't like new people mm-hmm. until I love new people. Right. And it's hard to get in. The, it's hard to get in, like, yeah. my little circle. Not because I'm cool, because I don't trust very well. I'm super insecure that, that people have, don't like me. Do you ever have imposter syndrome though? No, I never have it. I'm, I live it every like day of my life. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like you don't feel like 
you're as cool as everybody thinks you are. And it's like, or as talented. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, like you don't feel like you deserve to be there, even though everybody else does constantly. And so then you just kind of like, and I feel guilty Two Mm -hmm. two things. So I do, um, the last year and a half I've spent doing theater stand up, and I've been, been, and these shows would sell out. I'd be 2000 people there. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm not even that funny. These people would pay 50 bucks a ticket to come watch me be not that funny. And then I'll go out and be like, the show was great. And I was like, Oh, was it really? And I always feel guilty. The, uh, my, my band, I have a comedy band and we played in Boston Saturday night, Sunday night. Yeah. St. Patrick's day. Jeez. We played a theater in Boston and I have friends that are really great artists. They can't sell near the tickets that we sell. And yeah. I feel so guilty because of it. I stopped playing festivals for a long time because we'd go play like faster horses and we would be, it'd be like Luke, old dominion and us. And then yeah, we'd be the, we'd be playing at night. Sure. And I would be like, this is, and I would apologize. I would go up to people and be like, guys, I'm so sorry. I know we're not that good. Other than my yeah. friends that are in bands. So yes, <laughs> I feel like my analogy is always that I'm, I'm like robbing banks and eventually the cops are going to catch me. Like how long can I literally rob these banks until the mm-hmm. cops catch up with me? That's the imposter that I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have books, read a couple books. I'm not even that good. They sell like crazy. I'm like, I can't, <laughs> I never want people to read them. I'm like, Oh, I don't know if you should read it. Cause you're going to spend, you know, four or five days, two weeks, depending on how yeah. fast you read. And you try not. Mm-hmm. So the answer is yes. And you, you're just like living your life for that one moment where they're going to realize that you're just actually like, not. And I won't even be surprised. I think I might be yeah. relieved when they're finally like, yeah, dude, you do suck. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, totally. Holy crap. You have it. You, you feel imposter. Yeah. A hundred percent. Especially with the Grammy sitting in my living room. For sure. It's funny that you, cause I don't see you as an imposter because I also, not only do I, am I sitting with you now hearing you talk, but like, I know really talented people that say wonderful things about you. Well, that's very nice. Like that makes my day. Yeah, like the g- the general consensus is that you're super quick mm-hmm. and you're a great writer, and so for you to go, oh, I think I have imposter syndrome. To me, seems nuts. Well, me looking at you, it seems nuts. I guess it's just something that it's that moment where you're like, oh, maybe we're not all that different. I definitely deal with imposter syndrome. In what way? Um, let's do. Let's do um, emotionally first. Okay. Go ahead. I just ran through this, so it's your turn. No, I know. I know. It's only fair. Um, Emotionally, I think my biggest insecurity is I'm so afraid of being an almost girl. An almost girl meaning? An almost girl, like, oh, and like your song almost went number one, but it, like, it was really good, but it wasn't good enough to actually, like, go all the way. Or like, oh, yeah, and that guy almost picked you, but, like, if this and this was different, he would have really picked, like, Picked almost. you in what, sir, like? No, just in the sense of, like. Picked you to do what, though? Like, in your head, what oh, were you Oh, to, like, be with them or whatever. Like, like as in a relationship. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Like, just being almost good. and Like, really good. Being really, I think I'm really good at what I do. I think I'm, I like myself a lot. I really do. It's, like, I'm somebody who's a lot of things. Like, I'm super confident, but I'm also, like, insecure for sure. I'm I totally know who I am. I also have no clue who I am. I'm like a different girl every day, but I think that's, I think that's normal, but yeah, if you understand that's normal. Totally. I can like thrive sure. in that condition. Cause I think I've spent a lot of my life trying to like, I'm this girl or I'm that girl or cause you want to make sense of yourself and you want to fit in and you want to belong. And then you get to a point where you're like, I'm that and I'm that and I'm that and I'm that. And, and I'm that's cool okay. And that's, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And I'm totally cool with being all of those things or whoever I need to be those things for. And it doesn't make me inauthentic, but I think generally emotionally for me, it's like, 
being really good, but not good enough, like almost. And what will change it for you? Because I found all the accolades in the world doesn't change crap for me. Yeah, no, definitely. Therapy? (laughs) I mean, that that helps a bit. My therapist won't see me anymore. Oh, you're that? Well, like she, she said I had got, I'd reached like a really healthy place. Oh, you're fixed. Oh, she said that. She said, you're fixed. I was like, <laughs> I don't think you can ever be fixed. Fixed. I, think you I know. Therapy. You won. <laughs> I literally went home and I was like, Anna, I have to have problems. It's like what makes me thrive. So, um, it was a really sad day, but she said, someday you'll have a new set of problems and we'll have to work through those, but take a break. It's like, okay. Cause I feel like I got to therapy. I was starting to make up stuff to talk to her about. <laughs> and she goes, why do you like talking to me? I said, cause you get me, <laughs> you just get me. Nobody gets me. So I just was at this point paying somebody to get me. I'm surprised they would you. cancel. That's weird. I know she's super nice though. And low key, I want to be her friend to like go get a drink with her. And she says she's this two year policy. So I'm kind of low key, like down to not see her anymore and just like wait two years and then just say, yo, you want to go get a beer? I think it'd be fun. Okay, so that's that is your insecurity. Yeah, emotionally, yeah. almost being an almost girl. Um, yeah, and to answer your other question, like I don't think anything's gonna fix it. I think it's something I'll always struggle with, but I do. I'm I'm a big believer in like the rule. I'm a Jesus girl. I love Jesus, and like he, I'm a psychopath. Like I'm a psycho, so he kind of just keeps me in check. Like that personal relationship I have there, it just kind of keeps me like at bay. So yeah, I am an almost girl, but like my relationship with there makes up for it in terms of like my peace and my confidence with it and that whole thing. I don't believe that it's a fix. I joke about that. Like you're fixed. No, I don't, yeah. I, I just think the uh, being able to know yourself is totally. the fix. I, I think being exactly. able to know that, and, and I'll, I'll give you a story. I wrote, some really personal stuff in my first book about my mom dying and being an addict and some crazy stuff that we went through. And I thought to myself, I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't want um, these. But what I realized was that a, a lot of people related to what I was saying. Yeah. And I didn't need to be fixed because then I realized everybody's broken in some way. Totally. And if we're all broken, are we even broken? We're, mm-hmm. we're not broken. No, I think we were made to be that way. Yeah. So I that, really do. That's really, you know, what, what hit me when I started real, and I share on the radio things at times where people are like, Ooh, yeah. that's, that's a lot. But I wrote some stuff I wrote in my, my book. I was like, Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then what it really hit me was, Oh, normal is abnormal. You know, we always feel like we're different and uh, things yeah. aren't working out for us, but that's normal. That's yeah. everyone. They're just not sharing it. So you don't know. And you totally. feel so alone. And I felt like I, at least for a bit, for a little a blip for maybe a few people was able, they were able to read it and go, Oh, I don't feel so alone. But if Bobby's having this, this struggle and that's why I like doing what I do or at least part of it. So, and it's cool that you're willing to, cause I know a lot of people aren't. And, um, I think that's the beauty of having jobs like ours, you know? Yeah. The beauty and the struggle. Yeah. Oh, it's a total, I feel like we're all living in this constant gray area of like, you know, trying to figure out how to be that for other people, but also be healthy versions of ourselves. And so it's a total balance thing, but I, I agree with you. I think we're all just kind of made to fall short. And for me, that's, I'm, I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Especially when I, my faith kind of makes up for that for me in the sense of yeah, whatever. I'll embrace it. I was made to not be in a, I, I was, I was made to be an almost girl, but yeah. I can have peace and joy with that. Did you write today? Um, no, I had a day off. What is today? Tuesday? It's Tuesday. 
You had a day off? Mm-hmm. Does mama not work on Tuesday? <laughs> mama don't work on Tuesdays before she leaves her LA on Wednesday morning at 6.35. Are you, are you excited about that That trip out tomorrow? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm you excited. Are you going to move to LA? No. My whole record is Nashville written. Um, I Nashville's authentic to me. It's my family. It's my my friends. I It would be really inauthentic at this point in my life to go to decide to make a pop record and then go to LA and write with a bunch of people who have never met me and just have their like finger on the pulse of the current trends. And um, I don't know. I just, I wanted my record to be true and I wanted it to um, be authentic to me, whatever that it's an extension of me and music. I mean, so I needed to do that with people who knew me and um, that I knew could deliver that truth in a way that I know and trust and love and admire and respect. So it's like a pop record, but it's like chock full of great Nashville songwriting and songwriters. And to be able to share that with Nashville is really, really, really cool. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll stay here. I'll probably get old and saggy and have a bunch of babies here someday. So mm. you want a bunch of kids. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, I'm one of six. So like, I don't see myself having one kid, but honestly, this has really been like on my heart lately. I uh, I think I want to adopt. My Amy, my best friend, my co-host adopted two kids from Haiti. Really? Mm-hmm. I just think it's such a beautiful thing. And for me, I think that I would love to adopt kids out of um, like older kids. I, I just 19. for some How reason. How cool would that be? <laughs> like a 19 year old. Already, right? <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I like got caught up watching some videos the other night of these like eight, nine, 10 year old kids being told they're gonna be adopted. And it was like, oh, it made me bawl my eyes out. It was like the most incredible thing. Like these kids who think nobody wants them because they all they, they all want these babies, which is beautiful. I'm not knocking it. Um, but I don't know what kind of really like touched me and what I really connected with was seeing all these kids who are just maybe older and and Amy's daughter's 11. And, she, yeah. She got her a year ago and Amy's son is seven. See, I think no, it's eight. beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, look at you. We've been, how long, this hour? Yeah. We've been an hour into this. Anything, anything you'd like to, to put out there before we, we wrap it up? Um, go ahead. <laughs> Stage is mine. Um, no, I just, I love what I do and thank you for having me and Mike, your hair is dope. Thank you. I love Mike's hair. It changes it. It was orange. It was red. Now it's red. purple. Now it's, I'm so colorblind. <laughs> it's all the same to me. The orange is pretty No. Red. And also, I really appreciate how much you support songwriters and new artists, too. I just think it's really, really, really cool for those people to have somebody like you in their corner. So, yeah, thanks. Thank you for that. Thanks. And you're a great interviewer. Great questions. Oh, we didn't record any of this. This was just us talking. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're cool, about cool, to cool, actually cool, cool, start cool. it now. Cool. I'm down. Now I'm warmed so, up. Yeah. Good. Uh, episode 166, <laughs> Emily Wise Band. You can follow her on Instagram at Emily Wise Band, W-E-I-S-B-A-N-D. Um, and there are some pictures there that her grandma doesn't approve of. I love my grandma. My grandma well, is one of my favorite people. I just had to say it. Let me say this about, about your Instagram. I don't follow you. I should follow you. But I don't follow you. <laughs> I I have trouble <laughs> taking like some Here of the pic. We go. No, no. What do you mean? Here we go. Okay. Like, it's hard for me to sit because it looks like you're taking some of these pictures. Like, you just set the phone up, mm-hmm. and then you just like do something hot and you just sit there. Then you write. I have trouble taking those kind of pictures. One, I'm not hot. 
too. It's just a lot of me. I, I it just, let me, let me. I'll teach you. It's, it's actually up. super easy. Let me, let me, let me pull up your profile here. <laughs> I was reading one of your, oh uh, cause Emily and I will message occasionally. We never met, but we message occasionally. There was one of them recently where you were like, Hey guy. And what's the, uh, orange theory, orange theory. Mm -hmm. I was gross and sweaty earlier, but this is how hot I really am. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed. I thought I was funny, but I just, I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have that in me. I mean, yeah, so... Uh, I don't know. I'm just whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Did the guy it's, ever hit you up? No, no. That's probably why if I th actually thought he would, I wouldn't have posted it. Yeah. I don't, oh, really? It's so embarrassing. Why would you... No, I'm just kidding. I probably would have. I honestly, my Instagram is like... <laughs> I'm a very open person. Every one of my siblings has my Instagram on their phone. None of my sisters have social media. They're all logged into mine. So... They like keep track of my gram all the time. Like, why do you post that? You look like an idiot. Blah 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 blah. So yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I have fun with Instagram. I think Instagram's super fun. Yeah, no, I wish I had the confidence to like get in my panties because I wear panties too. And be like, <laughs> you know, today I was looking at the moon. Uh, <laughs> I do try to like just be like. You also do funny ones. I do do my face a lot. Some people love it. Some people hate it, but whatever. Like, for example. <laughs> hey, we're on the radio, Bobby. Nobody can see this. I know, but they can go to your page and see it. <laughs> hey, okay, like this is the one. Hey, Orange Theory Boy, here's me not red and blotchy and hiding from you. And you have on a denim jacket, and you don't even have a shirt underneath it. It looks, yes, basically, it looks basically like you have a piece of toilet paper wrapped around your waist. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a lot of followers from this. <laughs> but I, I could. You know what? What's up? I liked the picture. So I, you know it. what? I nothing I've said has been. I know negative. you've been very supportive like, of it. I admire the fact. I it's just, funny. I want to know how to do this. You see this picture? You're in like a panty short with a bow in your hair. Yeah, Go and ahead. I posted it on St. Patty's Day, and I said, "Nope, nah, no pinches for me." And my dad commented on it, "Superstar." And I called my dad. I was like, "Dad, thank you for being supportive of my sketchy Instagram." <laughs> And he was like, well, honey, when you look that good, I mean, whatever. I have to be, I love you. I love you. I'm like, thanks, dad. I see JoJo is, you know, JoJo, she commented on your Instagram. Yeah, like, we like, met Adam. Um, right, right now, now. Yeah. it's the end. I love her. She's one of my favorite people in the world. She's like, an, she's like a wise old owl. You'd expect her to be this like punky, like get out right now like well she was when she was nine that was, leave that was, i know and leave. but she's yeah. so like well-spoken and beautiful and just wise and i love being around her we met at um the ascap castle ascap does this riding trip to france every year um for this ascap yeah, castle we but to france i'm gonna follow you right now oh my gosh follow me i'll follow you back i'm gonna publicly follow you wow all right i'm so honored right now thank you um Emily Wiseman, Mike D, anything you'd like to say? I think we're good. See, this started pretty like professional and straightforward, and then I like where it went, like the second half. Yeah. Like the, this, the part, fun. yeah, the part two of this, you know. A little bit of everything. But we had never met, so that's what I happens. Know. All right, uh, Emily Wiseman, episode 166. Thanks to our sponsor, and uh, we'll see you next time here on the Bobbycast. Thank you.
This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit Tacova's.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And don't go gently, y'all. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 